Let's turn over once again to Psalm 18 tonight. Psalm 18. And we're going to be looking at verses 37 through 50. Psalm 18, verses 37 through 50. We're going to look at verses 37 through 45 more in an overview fashion and then focus most of our attention tonight on verses 46 through 50 and continuing this exposition through uh, the 18th Psalm. And tonight I want us to consider, uh, before we read, uh, what we see in verse 46. It says, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Wonderful words. Words that are great reminders to those who are in Christ Jesus tonight. Each one of those expressions, each one of those phrases carries such a deep meaning and a deep source of rejoicing to the believer. The Lord liveth. Uh, It's an amazing thing to consider that the Lord has life in and of himself His life was not created. His life was not derived by someone else. His life is independent of any outside force. And he, it is he who grants what we hold so dear in eternal life. I hope we know tonight that as we've been reading and studying through this psalm, we do not serve a dead God. And that is a great encouragement tonight because every other religion in the world serves a dead, unreal God. But our God liveth. The Lord liveth. He is immortal. He is eternal. And so as the Lord our God liveth, so those of us that are in Christ, we also live. And we have that great promise and that great hope that we also will live for eternity and live forever. Blessed be my rock. There's that expression again, my rock. He is the ground of our hope. He is the ground of our praise. He is the source and the subject of all of our worship and praise. And it is our heart's that bless the Lord, and we bless the Lord with our mouth. We bless the Lord with the words that we say. Uh, We can never love him enough. Uh, David, as he's writing here, is claiming that it is Jehovah God that lives. And blessed be my rock, that Jehovah that lives. Praise be to God who gives me not only my eternity, but he gives me rest. And the title I've taken for the night is the second, the third phrase in that verse. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. I love the use of the word my in that verse. My rock and my salvation. I can stand before you tonight and say that the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior. I can tell you that He is my God. And although He is my Savior and my God... Also, if you are in Christ, he is also your Savior and your God. Our Savior, we know the Lord Jesus Christ, deserves more than we could ever speak or ever say. We should publish everywhere 
what it means to serve a God who lives, what it means to serve a God who is our rock, what it means to exalt the God of our salvation. We should publish all there is to know about this mighty God that lives. He who rescued us, redeemed us from our deserved penalty that sin brought, He should be very dear to us. Now tonight in a group on a Wednesday evening, you would not expect that we have to be reminded of just how dear God should be to us, but I think we all need that reminder. I think we've all been faced with things today that have probably taken our minds and taken our hearts away from that, of just how dear the God of our salvation should be, how he should be our all in all. He should be our God, our very God, that we should rejoice and we should, no matter what the day has brought thus far, we should be able to say along with David, the Lord liveth and blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. What's so important about these last few verses of Psalm 18 is that we see David has now been delivered from the trials and the struggles that he was talking about. And now in these verses that we'll look at tonight, he's no longer feeling those sorrows of hell compassing about him. He's no longer feeling those snares of death. Remember all the way back in verse 6 when David said, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God, and He heard my voice out of His temple. I remember remarking how beautiful this expression is, that my cry came before Him even into His ears. This God that lives heard David's cry. And what verse 46 through the end of the chapter really is, is it's a doxology of concluding praise. And that's really where our emphasis is going to be tonight. But in verses 37 through 45, what we see David giving us a, a bit of an insight into is he describes and continues to describe the deliverance that he received and the putting down of the enemies. He is now exhorting us by the victory that came. Again, he no longer feels those cords and snares of death. He no longer is begging for a rescue. He's victorious. He is now conquering his enemies. In verse 37, look, we read that he said, I have pursued mine enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn again till they were consumed. He uses the word consumed. They were gone. They were no more. Verse 38, I have wounded them that they were not able to rise. They are fallen under my feet. For thou hast girded me with strength under the battle. Thou hast subdued under me those that rose up against me. Verse 40, thou hast also given me the necks of mine enemies that I might destroy them that hate me. In those verses there, we see uh, David is very clearly saying that uh, all that tried to rise up against him, God put them down and they were no more. They were subdued. They tried to rise up and they were not able. And he says they were fallen under my feet. And of course, this is also has a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who puts all enemies under his feet. And one day, every enemy of the cross and every enemy of God will be made his footstool. 
And David, as this type of Christ, is reminding us again tonight that we have this certain hope in Jesus Christ tonight. Do we rejoice in that certain hope that we have? Do we rejoice in the reality that every enemy of the cross and every enemy of Jesus Christ will one day be put down forevermore? One of the great comforts of the Psalms is that very truth is that these are not just hypothetical endings and hypothetical conclusions. These are words that lead us to what we're going to look at again tonight of a doxology. That we do have the sure hope that every enemy will one day be put down. But I want you to notice with me verse 41, and this struck me very deeply today, about his enemies. Look, it says, they cried but there was none to save them, even unto the Lord, but he answered them not. Imagine crying and not being heard. That's what David says about the enemies that were then crying out for help, and it says there was none to save them. There is no God like our God's friends. There's no God who any other enemy, any other ruler, any other false God can stand up against and can subdue and put down. I'm so glad when I cry out to the Lord, just like we read in verse 6 so many weeks ago, that David, when he cried out, he said, God heard my cry. He heard my voice. My cry came before him. And yet here's an example of where the enemy cried and there was none to save them. But then also notice that he answered them not, even unto the Lord. Sadly, we know that the Bible teaches us that even in the last days and when Christ is putting down all enemies, there will be those who will even attempt to cry out to the Lord, but it will be too late. He is not going to answer them. There are some today that will say, well, I'm, I'll cry out to the Lord in my final hours. I'll cry out to the Lord in my last moments. You and I are not promised to have that opportunity of last moments to cry out unto the Lord. Things happen so quickly. Life changes in an instant. Life is gone in an instant. And yet, here it is that even these enemies, they try to cry out to God and He will not answer them. David had the exact opposite experience. There was none to save them. Look at verse 42. Then did I beat them small as the dust before the wind. I did cast them out as the dirt in the streets. We see this very overwhelming destruction of the enemies of David. This should remind us that the Lord Himself will overcome and one day He will break all of the enemies with a rod of iron, we're told in Psalm 2, 9, that thou shalt break them, the enemies, with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them piece in pieces like a potter's vessel. Psalm 2 really calls us to either surrender to the Lord Jesus Himself, or surrender now, or one day it will be eternally too late. David in verse 43 says, Thou hast delivered me from the strivings of the people, and thou hast made me the head of the heathen. A people whom I have not known shall serve me. As soon as they hear of me, they shall obey me. The strangers shall submit themselves unto me. The strangers shall fade away, 
and be afraid out of their close places. This is certainly was David's experience. After he was anointed king, we know that David was on the run from Saul. But God delivered him. After God delivered him, God gave David the victory over all his enemies, and he made the kingdom secure. That's what David is celebrating in this psalm, that God is his deliverer. It goes all the way back to the very first message in this psalm. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. My buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I caught myself the other day just reciting that in my heart, my own mind, that verse 2 again. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my rock. My fortress, my deliverer, my God, my buckler, my strength in whom I will trust. Every believer needs to be reminded of that great truth. That God is our rock. Blessed be my rock. Of course, we know that David, as he speaks also as a type of Christ, is pointing in prophecy about what would happen with the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand that when Christ was here in robed in human flesh, he did suffer through trials and tribulations. He suffered, he died. But the Bible tells us that his soul was not abandoned to hell. His soul was not abandoned to Hades. Neither was his body abandoned in the grave. He was raised from the grave. He was delivered and ultimately raised into glory. I never get tired of thinking about our ascended Lord. What a sight that must have been for those who witnessed him ascend to the right hand of the Father. And how glorious that was to watch. But I think the most glorious things that those who witnessed that must have been when they said, this same Jesus, who you've seen ascend into heaven, shall return in the same manner. Friends, that's, that's our hope right now. I heard recently a preacher said, we often neglect to speak about the resurrection enough. But we said we also fail to speak of the ascension enough. And realizing the glories and the beauties of not only the ascension of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but the fact that He is in fact coming again. He will return for His people. He will return for His bride. Jesus is seated right there at the hand, right hand of the Father now. And the Bible says he will reign until his enemies are made his footstool at the final judgment. There's one passage I just want you to see briefly in the book of Luke. There's a reference made to this in Luke 20, verses 41 through 44. Luke 20, verses 41 through 44. And notice what it says here. The scribes. The scribes are speaking to him and, and they say in verse 39, Master, thou hast well said, and after that they durst not ask him any question at all. And he said unto them, How say they that Christ is David's son? And David himself saith in the book of Psalms, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. 
just as David speaks about all of the enemies being put down in his life and actually seeing it happen, we know that there is a far greater than David. Jesus, who had been promised and heralded as the son of David, he is one day coming to put all enemies under his feet. And what a glorious truth that is to think about. Christ will have the victory. How many times have we heard that and failed to truly take it in? If we believe that Christ ultimately is going to have the victory, it ought to change the way we live and it ought to change the way that we think. It ought to change the way that we view life. We have got to view this life through victorious eyes. We have to look at this life through a certain victory that's coming through Jesus Christ. If our eyes are continually upon this world and what this world offers and what this world does, we are going to be found left without praise. We're going to, we're going to find ourselves lacking the words to even speak to our Lord and to praise Him for what He has done. But yet Christ will not only have the victory, we should live as if He already has the victory. He has dominion. He will have dominion. He is the Savior or He, is, he will be a judge. What is, what is He to you tonight? Is He your Savior or is the only time you will know Him is as your judge? Again, we see Psalm 2 verses 10 through 12, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son lest He be angry and you perish from the way when His wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in Him. I pray tonight that your trust is in Jesus Christ alone. But we turn back to our psalm and we pick up again now in verse 46, knowing these things that we know about David and giving us this introduction to that verse. What we see in verses 46 through 50 is we find a doxology, a concluding praise. We end our services each Lord's Day and each Wednesday with a hymn and a benediction from the Word. And in a sense, what the intent is, is to leave us with a concluding praise. A benediction and a doxology. David here concludes this psalm with a song, a song of praise unto God. What is he praising God for? Because God has given him the strength. God has delivered him from his enemies. God has given him all the victories. What David does in this doxology is gives God all the glory for that. Friends, we must give God all the glory for all that we are and everything that has happened to us. That's what leads David to say, the Lord liveth. David saw and knew God's deliverances. Do you know God's deliverances? What has God delivered you from? Every believer here tonight can say He's delivered us from the penalty of our sin. He's delivered us from the power of Satan. He's delivered us from the grave. If you were to poll 
people from all over the world, most people would answer that what they are fear the most is death. But yet, Christ has gotten the victory. He's already won. Death is lost its sting. So when David speaks of a Lord who liveth, he speaks of an everlasting and eternal living God. David praises the Lord again as his rock. With that name for God, he begins this song of praise, this concluding doxology. All throughout the psalm, David has demonstrated that God is worthy. Tonight, the question isn't, is God worthy? Because he is. The question is, is God worthy to you? See, it's not a question of whether or not God is worthy or not. God is worthy whether we give him the praise and the thanksgiving or not. Withholding our praise of God does not change who he is. But think about your own life personally. Is God worthy of your praise? Is Jesus Christ worthy? David is certainly demonstrating that Christ is worthy. Almighty God is worthy of that name. The Lord liveth. God has rescued him from all distress. He's helped him defeat and put down every enemy that rose up against him. God has done everything and has never moved. An unmovable rock. At the same time, the ending is already fixed. You know, most of our life, because there's that great fear of death, the great fear is, is how is that all going to end? What's the ending going to be like? What's the, what is going to change? And yet God is unchangeable. He's immutable. The end is already fixed. We already know the end of the story. I'm afraid we've probably all heard that so many times in our Christian life that we're on the winning side, we're on the victorious side, that I don't know if we completely are comprehending what that means. We've heard it over and over and over again. We're on the winning side, we're on the winning side, and yet we live as if we're defeated. David said, you've delivered me from every enemy. Brethren, we've been delivered from every enemy that can defeat us. If you are in Christ, there is, no, there is no thing that can rise up against you and separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. Is the enemy vicious? Yes. Is the enemy relentless? Yes. Is this world very, very difficult to live at times? Yes. But the end is already fixed. And nothing is going to change the victory that's in Christ Jesus. That's worthy of a doxology. That's worthy for David to simply acknowledge once again that blessed be my rock. David is not just giving us this doxology of praise so that you'll hear him praise God. He's calling on those who know this God to praise God also. As their rock. It's the same as the expression there. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. 
David, of course, here is referring to the salvation that God had worked for him. Friends, never lose sight of the fact that it was God who worked out your salvation. It is God before the foundation of the world who chose you unto Himself. That's certainly a reason to praise. That's a reason to praise what God has done for you and what He has done for me. David is directing his attention to the one who is worthy and who has been so good to him. Have you ever stopped long enough just to think a simple question like this? How good has God been to me? I would challenge you sometime during this week, just sit for a moment and think of the ways how God has been good to you. We're often brought to great conviction when we think about how good God has been to us in spite of our unfaithfulness. We're not always good. We're not always what we should be. But God is always good. Not good in the sense that we give the definition of just eh, good, but He's not great. No, it means good, meaning He is perfect. How good has He been to you? He alone deserves all of our praise. This concluding part of this verse and these verses, it's a celebration of this God and thankful for the mercies. The psalmist is David is praising God on account of what God is and who God is to him. What God had done for him. The Lord liveth. This God who has life in and of Himself, He is the fountain of all that lives. The giver of life. The taker of life. And the one who has chosen eternal life to those He would. His chosen people, and He continues to live and He ever will live. Every one of us who are in Christ tonight should be able to conclude that He is our life. And if Christ is your life, you are in every sense of the word safe and secure. And you say, but do you see what happens? Pastor, what about what we talked about this past Sunday? What about those that are suffering and being afflicted for the cause of Christ? And remember, I challenged us to think about what was Paul trying to teach those Ephesians, those Gentiles to see? He wanted them to see the glory of God through it all. Friends, that's the only way that we can come to grips and come to understand is to believe and know and conclude that if we are His children, we are in every sense safe and secure. Blessed be my rock. David knew what it was to take God as his rock in times of distress. Let me ask you, when distress comes... Where do you seek refuge first? Is it God? Or is it something else? In my distress, David said, I called unto the Lord and He heard me. There are distressing times. 
There are times in every one of our lives when we are experiencing distress. But David didn't just take him as his rock in a time of distress. He also took him as his rock as his only source of defense. I think very practically today about our defense. You realize that God is our defense, not one of our defenses. He is our defense. God will defend his own. And David, because of this calling upon the Lord in distress and knowing that God is his defense, he desires that God, (laughs) that he could confer or give a blessing to this God. We can't give God a blessing in the sense that we often think about here, but you cannot bless he who is already perfect and great. But David was declaring God's blessedness. He rejoices in God's greatness and his goodness. He gives all glory and honor to him. God was the God of David's salvation in a temporal sense. He's the God of our salvation in a temporal sense as well. Daily we are saved from enemies and we're saved from enemies we don't even know about. But in the spiritual sense, David of course knew what it was that his salvation was by the author and finisher of his faith. David gives high praise to the God of his salvation. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. Let him be lifted up. David says a couple of very practical things. Verse 47, he says, It is God that avengeth me and subdueth the people under me. David addresses God as he who avenges me. Vengeance, friends, belongs to God. David left all the vengeance and all the righteous retribution to those enemies. He left it to God. Paul, writing to the church at Rome in Romans 12, 19, reminded the people there about vengeance and who it belongs to. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. I don't have to worry about those nations and those individuals who rise up as enemies against God. God will repay. David takes no credit for the subduing of those enemies. He gives all glory and all credit to God for his deliverance. Verse 48, he says, He delivered me from mine enemies. Yea, thou liftest me up above those that rise up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man. David came from a very low estate. He was nothing more than a shepherd boy. But yet God says he was, David says he was delivered from his enemies, from Saul, from Abner, from Absalom, and everybody who conspired against him. Friends, you realize tonight that every believer is delivered out of the hands of all the enemies of Christ. We can serve the Lord without fear. Christ himself delivered from every enemy, raised from the dead. His resurrection, his ascension, he is seated at the right hand of God and he will reign till all enemies are put under his feet. We ought to take great comfort in that tonight. It ought to lower our anxiety and our worries about the things that are going on in this world. David was lifted up from a very low place and placed upon 
the throne of Israel. That beautiful expression that Paul uses in the book of Ephesians and says that we are seated in heavenly places. To be seated in heavenly places means ultimately we are out of the reach of all enemies who would seek to destroy us and to remove us from Christ. No matter how vicious the enemy gets, no one can remove you from the hand of God. Satan can't. Satan would love to be able to remove your name from the book of life, but he can't do it. Just like every enemy of David would have loved to remove him. Absalom wanted his father's kingdom. He would have loved it and God said, no, Absalom will not have this kingdom. Delivered from the violent man, with most believe that David was referring to Saul here. But we also know that the violent man is also a picture of Satan himself, the very son of wickedness, who if he could, would have destroyed the Messiah, would have destroyed Jesus Christ himself, but he was unable. And then David gives us that great theological word, therefore. Therefore will I what? Will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Do you realize we are fitted to sing praises unto God? We're fitted to do so. Why are we fitted to do so? We're fitted to do so because we are one of his children. We are fitted to sing praises unto the name of God. We sing praises not only to God the Father, but we sing praises to Christ the Son, and we sing praises unto the Holy Spirit of God. Great deliverances, verse 50, giveth he to his king and showeth mercy to his anointed, to David and to his seed forevermore. David did not try to undo the throne of Saul, but he was anointed king by the appointment of God. It was God that gave deliverance to David. It is now Christ whom God the Father has set as his king on that holy hill of Zion that we have read about tonight and we have we even sung in our Psalter hymn about. The heathen have raged against Christ. The enemies and the kings and princes, even today, folks, there are nations that are setting themselves against the Son of God. It ought not surprise you. Why do the heathen rage? Why are nations attempting to rise up? Why is there such a fight against Jesus Christ? And yet all of their fighting will be futile. Because Christ has already delivered from all the enemies. He's already delivered His people and saved them from the power of death, from the power of the grave. And Jesus Christ lives to reign and to protect and to defend His people forevermore. Do we actually believe that? We amen a lot of thoughts when we sit in this building. But the challenge is when we leave this building, do we really believe what we've heard? 
Where we sit together and we encourage one another when we sing the hymns and we read the Scripture together and we, we see the Lord liveth, blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Our hearts are reminded, we're encouraged, and we're ready to go. And then we walk out the front door and within moments, we forget that the Lord is our rock. You are not fitted to fight this life in your own strength. You're not equipped. The Lord is our rock. The Lord liveth. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. And then notice, he showeth mercy to his anointed. This is a reference to Christ, to David, and to his seed forevermore. David literally, of course, was God's appointed king, and Christ, of course, is the Messiah. But notice there is this promise that is not only made to David and to Christ, but to his seed forevermore. By his seed are meant the spiritual seed, all of the elect of God who are given to him as his children. We stand in relation to this everlasting Father, and his mercy will be upon us forevermore. You see, David was very aware of his deliverance. He was also very aware of the mercy that had been shown unto him. The word mercy is an interesting word. We use it a lot, and sometimes I don't think we fully understand that mercy refers to God's covenant faithfulness. When God is merciful, God is holding and being faithful to his covenant. He's made a covenant to save his people. We understand that the Lord can give His blessing and can give His promises with the covenant because the mediator, Jesus Christ, has fulfilled everything. And because Christ has fulfilled it, it is only through Him that this mercy comes. And if Christ has fulfilled it all, this mercy to the covenant people of God will never fail because Christ cannot fail. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1.20 speaking about the promises of God that are found through Christ says this, for all the promises of God in Him are yea and in Him amen unto the glory of God by us. All the promises of God reside in Christ Jesus. Because of Christ, we have this promise of this eternal mercy. What a prospect. God's faithfulness to his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the very basis in which we can be certain that God will be merciful to us. The mercy of God comes through his son, the Lord Jesus. Folks, you realize tonight there truly is nothing in or of ourselves that we can claim as to why we've received the mercy of God. Again, how many times have we heard that while we're gathered? It is not my works of righteousness which I have done. It's not my merit. It's not my worthiness. It's not my works. All of my works are as filthy rags. It is because everything is from Him, Jesus Christ, and through Him. 
My hope is in a living Savior. It is to Him that all the praise and glory should be. Again, remember, most of these psalms were songs. Let me just conclude by considering this thought that in singing these psalms, or this psalm, we all must give God all the glory for the victories. We must give God all the glory through Jesus Christ for all the deliverances. And we must encourage ourselves in that. Folks, your greatest source of encouragement is this book. Again, not to be crude about this, but we should not have to dust off this book to read it. This is, tells us about the source of our hope. This gives us the promises that will never fail. We have the assurance that Jesus Christ and His church ultimately and very shortly will be triumphant. I don't know the hour. I don't know the day. I don't need to know any of that. I have the promise that all things will come to pass just as He said they would. And that for all of eternity... I've still been thinking about this. For all of eternity, we will spend our time worshiping and praising the Lamb that was slain. And what a glorious even thought that is, that we will forever be worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. May God help us to apply these things to our heart and to be encouraged by them and to leave rejoicing in His goodness. Let's pray together.